simple words that changes everything but God but God whenever I talk to someone they start going on and on about how bad things are I always say the same thing but God because it changes everything because listen we have a tendency to get self-focused this and that and I'm not this and I'm not that and I don't have this thing together or that thing together and someone needs to speak reality over that which is yeah that's all true about you but God but what does God want to do Our lives take many twists and turns, sometimes in the course of a single day. When we get caught up in the trials and begin to focus only on the things we see as negatives about ourselves, but what is God doing in the midst of it all? Today, Pastor Daniel encourages us to shift our focus beyond the immediate problems and look for God's hand. God has plenty for us to do, and when we feel inadequate, He'll give us exactly what we need. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part one of his message, Remember. Let's open up in our Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 9, as we're making our way here through the Bible, through right now what we call the Old Testament, through this section of the Bible that's called the Torah or the Pentateuch, the first five books. Historically, a lot of translations say the first five books of Moses. That's not actually in the text. That's kind of more, they just kind of, it's been assumed that. Scholars discuss that on his authorship or not. But the beauty is, is no matter who the human author was, we know that the Spirit of God inspired, there's an author behind the author. And we always have to remember that. So God uses people, but there's always the inspiration behind the human author. And so we're here in this section, and we're calling this first series in the book of Deuteronomy. We just have a few more chapters until we go to our next series in the book of Deuteronomy. We're calling it Refresh, because Moses, through the whole book of Deuteronomy, is giving a refresher course to the children of Israel of the laws that God gave them at Sinai and through the wilderness But one of the common themes that we have here in the book of Deuteronomy is there's this constant, I want you to look back and remember what God did. I want you to look back and remember what God did. Because so much of the life of the children of Israel, the life that Jesus ministered into for the children of Israel was based on their story. You know, and we talk about that a lot because every person has a story. You know, and for each one of us, God wants to do a work in and through our stories. Now, don't get me wrong. Not all of our stories are beautiful. There's a lot of times in our stories that we find our failings and our shame. But God is the great redeemer can redeem the most shameful things and bring beauty out of them. Now, I know when I say that, some of you are going to say, so that may be true for other people, but not me. And I would say, Have a faith in a great God who can do things beyond what you could ask or think. I look at my most horrific moments, and there have been some very famously horrific moments. But I can see God, when I commit my life to him, and when I allow him to be the redeemer, God can do unbelievable things. If you're still here today, your story is not 
yet completed. Those remaining chapters have not yet been written, and I believe God wants to write the remaining chapters of your life, and Lord willing, there'll be many chapters, and he will redeem the failings, redeem the painful times, and he will bring the most beautiful things out of it. And the reason I can say that is it's true for the life of the children of Israel, isn't it? If you've been traveling with us since the book of Exodus, since we started this 40-year trek, not my teaching 40 years, but this isn't it for the children of Israel, you realize that there's been all sorts of stuff that's gone on, all sorts of shenanigans, sins, rebellions, victories, and crushing defeats. But God uses all of it as part of their story. And so picking up in Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 1, we get another set of rehearsals of the rebellion of the children of Israel, the mistakes that they've made. Look at what it says first. In Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 1, it says, Hear, O Israel, you are to cross over the Jordan today and go in to dispossess nations greater and mightier than yourself, cities great and fortified up to heaven, a people great and tall, the descendants of the Anakim, whom you know and of whom you heard it said, who can stand before the descendants of Anak? Therefore, understand today that the Lord your God is he who goes over before you as a consuming fire. He will destroy them and bring them down before you, so you shall drive them out and destroy them quickly, as the Lord has said to you. Verse 4, do not think in your heart after the Lord your God has cast them out before you, saying, because of my righteousness, the Lord has brought me in to possess the land. But it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out from before you. Verse 5, it is not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart that you go in to possess their land, but because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord your God drives them out from before you and that he may fulfill the word which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Verse 6, therefore understand that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness, for you are a stiff-necked people. <laughs> you got to love the fact that God's a straight talker sometimes, right? <laughs> like, there's no sugarcoating it. Now, there's a lot here, but what we get is that we're reminded. Now, notice the first word of chapter 9, hear, O Israel. That's that word Shema. Remember, we saw it in Deuteronomy 6 and a lot of other places. It's God saying, listen up, my people. I want you to hear this. And it's important because if you've been traveling with us, you've heard a lot of this stuff before. But I think every day God says, listen, I want you to hear it afresh. You Maybe you know this, but I want you to hear this afresh, brand new, this moment. Hear it for the first time again. What does he say? You're going to cross over the Jordan. And you're going to go and dispossess nations greater and mightier than yourself. Cities great and fortified up to heaven. A people great and tall. The descendants of the Anakim who you know and of whom you heard it said, who can stand before the descendants of Anak. Therefore, understand today that the Lord your God is he who goes over before you as a consuming fire. See, he reminds them that where they're going, they are ill-equipped to be able to deal with it. There's nations that are stronger than them. There are cities that are fortified. Up to heaven means this is built up. And they're coming in as a refugee community, leaving Egypt, wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, now going into the promised land. And they're going to be going in against people who they have no business feeling like they can 
go up against. I don't know about you, but I think a lot of us feel that way, that the things that are before us are so much bigger than what we can handle, that the things that we have in front of us, there's no way I can do that. I mean, look at me. I don't have the resource. I can't do this thing. But the Lord reminds them. He reminds them. Understand today that the Lord, your God, is he who goes over before you as a consuming fire. You and God in any crowd is a majority. And God loves to take the foolish things of the world and confound the wise. God loves to partner up with frail broken, busted up people and do crazy cool things. That's who he is. That no flesh would glory in his presence. That's what the Bible teaches us. But what happens is, is we have a tendency to look at our failings and our inadequacies and our weaknesses, and we see them as liabilities. And our culture tells us that they're liabilities, but our inadequacies are God's opportunities. Because in the things that you don't feel strong in, that's where God can perfect his strength and our weakness. In the areas of vulnerability, which our culture says, don't be vulnerable, you have to have it all together. That's where God can show up and do the most amazing work. But for many of us, we just see our inadequacies as failures, and we begin to have a failure mentality. And God's like, listen, you're going to go in, and you're going to go up against nations and people that you have no business going up against, but I'm going to do a work. And we have this one example of the descendants of the Anakim. They'd heard it said, who could stand before the descendants of Anak? They were tall and, and huge. They were warriors. And the children of Israel with this little ragtag army with the presence of God, Anakin has no ability to battle against them. If you don't believe it, just go read Joshua chapter 11. And we find out how the Lord drove the descendants of Anak right out of the land. This is one of those hopeful passages even though we're going to see the failings of the children of Israel, if you follow the Lord, you have hope because the Lord will go before you. And that's the key. So often, if we think things are left up to our own devices, we think we have to have everything dialed in, and we forget that it's the Lord the one who's saying, I'm going to go before you. I'm going to prepare the way for you. In a lot of ways, we just need to show up, and God does the rest. But for most of us, when we feel inadequate or insecure, we don't show up. But we forget that simple, two simple words that changes everything, but God, but God. Whenever I talk to someone, they start going on and on about how bad things are. I always say the same thing, but God, because it changes everything. Because listen, we have a tendency to get self-focused, this and that, and I'm not this, and I'm not that, and I don't have this thing together or that thing together. And someone needs to speak reality over that, which is, yeah, that's all true about you, but God. But what does God want to do? But what is God up to? How does God want to work? And Moses is reminding them, God's going to go before you. He's a consuming fire. Notice what it says in the middle of verse 3. But he will destroy them and bring them down before you, so you shall drive them out and destroy them quickly, as the Lord has said to you. Really saying, he's like, victory is assured, because God's going to go before you, and the victory is going to be swift. But, of course, when the victory comes Swift, the children of Israel need a little reminder because it says in verse 4, do not think in your heart after the Lord your God has cast them out 
before you saying, because of my righteousness, the Lord has brought me in to possess this land, but it's because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out from before you. Now, this is important because when you take a step of faith and when God does something amazing, then we have a tendency to be like, of course God did something amazing because I am doing so good in my walk with Jesus right now. Right? You think it's because I fasted and I fasted some more and I fasted some more and because of my fasting, God did it. Or I went to a marathon prayer meeting and I prayed and prayed and prayed all night long. So of course God answered my prayer. <laughs> we have a tendency to think that way. We take good things and we begin a works righteousness thing. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't fast because Jesus said that we should. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't pray because Jesus taught us how to pray. But if we think that when we put in the coins of spiritual discipline, we're going to get out the victories, then we're living out works righteousness just like the Pharisees did. See, we pray and we fast, but we pray and we fast because we love God and we want to hang out with him. But all the victory happens because God is the victor. And he says, listen, this isn't going to happen because you guys are righteous. Actually, this is all going to happen because those nations are so nasty it's time for them to get out of the land. I mean, you can imagine the children of Israel feeling so good about this and in a moment being like, ouch. But oftentimes people say, I don't understand. I mean, the God of the Old Testament, I mean, why would he send the children of Israel in and why would they destroy these nations? Well, we see why right here. Because these nations were wicked and they were under God's judgment for their wickedness. See, we have a weird sense of justice because by and large, and I'm not going to say that we live in a just society, but the culture that we live in is much more just than a lot of other cultures. So we don't see God avenging wickedness as a blessing in this culture. We see it as God's got some sort of a problem. But if you live in a culture that has no standards of morality in the law and everything is a vendetta killing and it's precarious and all this stuff, you begin to look at this completely different. If you ever read global theology, theology coming out of different places, biblical theology, it's amazing how what is in our culture, I can never believe in a God who would judge a nation no matter how wicked they are. You go to another place where it's all sorts of injustice, where whole people groups are oppressed. They're like, I love the God of justice, knowing that God will bring justice for what is wicked because they're living in wickedness every single day. Do you think people in North Korea, if they were to hear the gospel, of the God of justice who brings justice against wickedness, do you not think that they would like that? But it's amazing how in a culture we have these different ideas. See, the reason the children of Israel are getting this land is because God knew before the foundations of the earth that those nations would be overrun with wickedness and it was time to have to, so to speak, pay the piper. So he says, listen, you're not going in, you're not getting this land because you're so righteous, you're getting this land because they're so wicked. They're actually forfeiting. They're forfeiting their ownership of the land by their own actions. Not only that, look at verse five, in case they didn't get it the first time. It is not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart that you go in to possess their land, but because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord God, the Lord your God drives them out from before you and that he may fulfill the word which the Lord spoke to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob. So he reiterates the fact that it's because of these nations' wickedness. And now he adds to the fact that God also made a promise that God intends to keep. That God promised this land to the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God's going to fulfill that promise. And as we always talk about here, it's important to remember when God makes a promise that he intends to keep it. God's a covenant maker and he is a covenant keeper. 
And that's the key to a covenant. And I really want to encourage you because I think for so many of us, we love the idea of God being a covenant maker, but we really don't want to live up to our sides of these things. It's like in marriage. When you make a covenant, then it's a covenant. Keep that covenant. You work at it. The reason you make the covenant is because it's not going to be easy. So you have to like get some skin in the game, so to speak. You have to be able to like, yeah, we're going to do this. And I just really want to encourage you with that because God is faithful and God's kids are learning faithfulness every day. Even though we are faithless, God is faithful. And God wants to make us like him. That's what God is doing. So you might be saying right now, yeah, I'm not, I haven't been faithful in anything. Well, today's a brand new day. Start right now. Start saying, God, make me faithful the way you are. You're a covenant maker and you're a covenant keeper. So Lord, teach me how to respond to you and be faithful. And if we do that, God makes room in our hearts to do that. God promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that his descendants would have this land, and God intends to keep that. And then in verse 6, it says, Therefore understand that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness, for you are a stiff-necked people. That word stiff-necked literally means stubborn or rebellious. Now, I know that doesn't apply to any of us (laughs) I read this stuff in the Bible. I'm like, man, you know, but think about that. Take it out of the context of the children of Israel going into the promised land and put it in the context of being God's child by grace because of the finished work of Jesus. And really what he's saying is, look, I'm inviting you to be a part of my family, not because you're so righteous. Actually, quite contrary, you're stubborn and rebellious. And I don't know about you, but that's the definition of my life right there. The definition of my life is that even though I love God and even though I believe in Jesus and even though every day I say, Lord, help me, I have stubbornness and I have a rebellious streak in my heart. And so do you. And God doesn't love you when you lose the rebellious streak. God loves you because God is loving and God has chosen to adopt you. And it's God's love that begins to soften the stiff neck, begins to cause that stubbornness to to go by the wayside. We start to be less rebellious. We start to trust him. We say, Lord, you know, I realize left up to my own devices, I'm going to do this this way. But Lord, you're asking me for something else. And so I'll try your way because you're so nice. You're so good. You're so kind. And I think for some of you right now, you are in the middle of being rebellious and stubborn. You need to Stop. Just because I'm saying that we have a rebellious and stubborn streak doesn't mean we should just give in to it. We need to fight against that. We need to do battle against that. We need to be able to say, Lord, I am stubborn. I am stiff-necked. I am rebellious. I'm rebellious here and here. And Lord, you're telling me to be this way and I'm being this way. You tell me not to judge. I judge everyone. You're telling me not to be proud. And I'm totally proud. You say, don't be greedy. I'm super greedy. You say, don't covet. I covet everybody else's stuff. And you go down the whole list and you, and you confess them all to the Lord. And the Lord's like, yep, I know that about you. And I still sent Jesus to die for you. That's why I sent him. And I still filled you with my Holy Spirit. And I want to do a brand new work. So thank you for acknowledging it. Now we can move on. And he invites us to respond to him. And I believe that there's some of you right now, you're so used to being rebellious and stubborn that you can't remember what it's like to just say, God, I'm so sorry for being rebellious and stubborn. Can you change me? Because you know what happens when you do that? The Lord's like, yeah, that's what this is all about. See, God's plan is to transform us. See, God's plan is to take us from where we are and to change us to make us more and more like Jesus, that we might be a blessing in the world. 
But you can't be God's blessing when you're stubborn. You can't be God's blessing when you're rebellious because God's plans are the right way. And when we're rebelling, we're rebelling against God's authority in our own life. And we're rebelling against the opportunity to be the blessing God created us to be in Christ. So he says, you're a stiff-necked people. And then he starts to go through some of their areas, some of their highlights, their blooper reels, so to speak. Look what it says in verse 7. It says, remember, don't you love that? Aren't you grateful this is the children of Israel's story and not mine or yours right now? Remember, he says, do not forget how you provoked the Lord your God to wrath in the wilderness from the day that you departed from the land of Egypt until you came to this place. You have been rebellious against the Lord. Also in Horeb, you provoked the Lord to wrath so that the Lord was angry enough with you to have destroyed you. When I went up into the mountain to receive the tablets of stone, the tablets of the covenant which the Lord made with you, when I stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights, I neither ate bread nor drank water. Then the Lord delivered to me two tablets tablets of stone, verse 10, written with the finger of God, and on them were all the words of the Lord had spoken to you on the mountain from the midst of the fire in the day of the assembly. And it came to pass at the end of the 40 days and 40 nights that the Lord gave me the two tablets of stone, the tablets of the covenant. Then the Lord said to me, arise, go down quickly from here for your people whom you brought out of Egypt, have acted corruptly. They have quickly turned aside from the way which I commanded them. They have made for themselves a molded image. Verse 13. Furthermore, the Lord spoke to me saying, I have seen this people, and indeed they are a stiff-necked people. Let me alone that I may destroy them and blot out their name from under heaven, and I will make of you a nation mightier and greater than they. So I turned and came down from the mountain. The mountain burned with fire, and the two tablets of the covenant were in my two hands. And I looked, and behold, you had sinned against the Lord your God. You had made for yourselves a molded calf. You had turned aside quickly from the way which the Lord had commanded you. Then I took the two tablets, and I threw them out of my hands and broke them before your eyes. And I fell down before the Lord, as at the first 40 days and 40 nights, because of all your sin which you committed in doing wickedness, in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. For I was afraid of the anger and hot displeasure, which with the Lord was angry with you to destroy you. But the Lord listened to me at that time also. And the Lord was very angry with Aaron and would have destroyed him. So I prayed for Aaron also at the same time. Then I took your sin, the calf which you had made, and I burned it with fire and crushed it and ground it very small until it was as fine as dust. And I threw its dust into the brook that descended from the mountain. Now, if you recall, this is the account of the golden calf which you find in Exodus chapter 32. Right? If you remember, Moses, and he recounts it all for him. He goes up 40 days, 40 nights fasting. You know someone else who was up for 40 days and 40 nights fasting? Jesus, yeah, don't miss the parallel. Don't miss the parallel. The children of Israel were in the wilderness, 40 days, 40 nights. One gets the law, but the children of Israel are in rebellion and under God's judgment. Jesus, acting as the people of Israel, as the representative of Israel, goes into the wilderness 40 days, 40 nights, although tempted, does not sin. And then begins the ministry of reconciliation that God had. Jesus is real. Pastor Daniel reminded us today of a truth about God. He makes covenants with his people, and he keeps those covenants. God will do what he has said in your life, giving you the tools you need for success. 
just as he fulfilled his promises to the people of Israel. Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. One of the things that I'm the most stoked about is that this year we launched a brand new campus in Southwest Portland. We would love to invite everyone to come and join Crossroads Southwest Portland on Sundays at 10 a.m. We're growing, and honestly, not just in Southwest Portland, but all over the country and the world as people join us at our online campus, 9, 11, and 1 p.m. or Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. on our online campus, crossroadslive.tv. Now here's Josh with what's coming up on our next edition of Jesus is Real Radio. Join us again here on Jesus is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel talks with us about tearing down the idols in our lives. If we want to follow Jesus with all our hearts, We need to make an effort to clean out anything that is taking up space. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series, Refresh. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.